You're tuned in to Cowell Fans, a popped-off podcast, the casual fans home for Overwatch League news. We're coming at you from the first brand studio in Tampa, Florida. I'm Alurimore. I'm Haller. And we are going to review what just happened this past week in the playoffs. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa is right. That was... It was some of the most intense playoffs we have seen. It may have been the yeah. most intense playoffs we've seen. At least some of the most unpredictable playoffs right. that we've seen. It's been, it was great, it was great. So our eight teams were the Shanghai Dragons, San Francisco Shock, Vancouver mm -hmm. Titans, Seoul Dynasty, Los Angeles Valiant, Hangzhou Spark. New York, New York, New York Excelsior, Excelsior and Houston Outlaws. You had me worried when we weren't going top to bottom or bottom to top in seeding. I was like, I'm gonna forget a team. <laughs> but it turned out okay. It turned out all right. So, and, and just, so much fun. Some weird times happened, but um, yeah, I guess I guess it probably behooves us to just start with congratulations to the victor, and then we'll start from the beginning and go. Definitely, over Shanghai Dragons pop. You popped hard, friends. Congratulations. congratulations! They are your stage three champions, and it is well earned. Yes, well for sure earned. So let's just jump right into quarterfinals, because most of I think about half and half. We had expected quarterfinals, unexpected quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like that on the analyst desk, too, and on Watchpoint. About half of them, you know, the, the everybody predicted the Titans to make it through. Yes. That was well expected. Mm -hmm. Everybody predicted for um, the Shock to make it through. Most people well did. Expected. There were a few people arguing for the Soul Dynasty, but mo I think the vast majority of people were expecting right. Shock. And then we went to uh, the Dragons versus New York. And everyone picked New York. Everyone. They had everyone. a perfect stage. Myself included. I, I'll apologize to the Shanghai Dragons right now. I bet against you every point along the way. You know what? I need you to know. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's fair for you to apologize to them for betting against them. Because New York did something weird that, caused, that, that could have been the cause of their loss. Sure. And that is all stage three they've been playing Sabioli. Yes. They've been betting on Saviolbi, saying he's a Sombra player, he's a mm -hmm. DPS player, he's yep. our captain, he brings something to the team just by his mere presence that we just lack without yep. him. And they've been showing that, and it's been looking really good. Mm -hmm. It's been looking scrappy, but good. And when I even talked about the show last week, something that I was bringing up as one of the reasons I thought New York could do well, because you now had Saviolbi in, and he's the one member of that team who has playoff clutch factor. Right. And what did they do for playoffs? Subbed up, say, say BLB. Mm. <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. Does I, I mean, I, I get what they were trying to do. This was the first of many attempts over, this, over the uh, Stage Street playoffs to shut down Ding's Farah. So they subbed out Say BLB because they wanted to run a diva. So they had Mecco in, right? Right. Respectable. And I feel like, like, Watching that match, you were incredibly frustrated with the New York Excelsior, right? You were. But at that point, it was because, like, you weren't expecting too much of the Shanghai Dragons. This team literally just got beat, like, four days ago by the Guangzhou Charge. That's true. Pretty convincingly, I might add. So, this is the team I had the least expectations for, maybe outside the Houston Outlaws, right? So... Really wasn't expecting much from these guys. And then New York comes out with this weird strat and just gets rolled. And you think, New York, what have you done? Now, with the power of hindsight, we could say, okay, New York, this was a tough team to go up against. 
However, I will still fault New York because unlike the Vancouver Titans and the San Francisco Shock, who will eventually go on to also play the Shanghai Dragons, you never saw New York try to adapt once. No, they played, when their planned strats didn't they work had, out. Uh, they had that Roadhog comp. Yeah, and they just ran it the whole time. It was like it was it was really strange. They they did a little bit of adaptation, like they realized uh, we need a Sombra, so they had Nene run Sombra then. Nene Summer wasn't very good, but they still refused to like switch out the players they had planned to play. They they were very stuck in their ways, where you saw some pretty radical changes uh, throughout the other series. So this I don't know if this is a personnel problem that New York just does not have the ability to make these kind of calls in game, especially without CBLB, their captain in the roster, right. but. To me, I'm looking at faults in the coaching staff to not, to not A, not being able to pray against Shanghai, but I won't fault you too hard for that because I don't think anyone was really expecting them to do as good as they did. But I will fault you for not, at least at halftime, saying what we're doing isn't working. Here's my idea of what we can try to turn this series around. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and... It really didn't turn around the whole way through. And they did win like one <clears throat> map, barely. Yeah. It, it didn't feel good. It was on Hollywood, I think, and that's like just Shanghai's worst map. And right. they barely won it. And it really just felt like Shanghai had the run of the run of that whole game. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> we had the Valiant going up against the Spark. Which was so intense. This was a much more divided opinion, too, yes. right? I think the general consensus was Spark ought to come out on top. Yes. But most people, I mean, for the most part, it was it was pretty split. A lot of people thought the Valiant yeah, were going to do it. Yeah, this was the one the game on the that like everyone was a bit um, up in the air on. And a lot of people agreed whoever won this match was at least <clears throat> getting to finals. Like, this was going right. to be... A very important match to see who your cha stage champion was because throughout all of stage three these looked like two of the hottest teams I mean the LA Valiant they took out the Vancouver Titans they took out the Shanghai Dragons um, this is a team who beat up a lot of the top dogs and then Hangzhou Spark looked nigh untouchable and then they went to map five with the LA right. Valiant beat them in that map five so that's why a lot of people gave a little bit of that to Spark because they had already done it but this was like supposed to be the marquee matchup, and it definitely didn't disappoint. No, did not. But Valiant come out on top and move on to the semifinals. Yes. Before we get into semifinals, <clears throat> we have we hosted a little contest starting last week. That we did. And uh, we wanted to give away some Atlanta Rain swag from the homestand event. Mm-hmm. And before we get into semis, we're gonna announce those winners right now. <clears throat> so. We had some entries on Facebook and no entries on Instagram. You guys either uh, just like my pretty pictures, which in which case, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, but you did not read the directions very well. So we had nobody follow through all the way to have an entry on the Instagram. But we did have two people who followed through enough to get entries onto Facebook. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking both prize packs, the Facebook one and the Instagram one, and giving them to these two winners, Teddy and Dean. So congratulations to Teddy and Dean. Um, we will be reaching out to Dean. you. 
Taking the dub. We'll be reaching out to you via Facebook Messenger to get your deets and to mail you some goodies. Um, be on the lookout this upcoming week because this upcoming week we have the better pack with the trading cards in it, which people seem to be generally interested in. We had several people comment, hey, I want those trading cards. Well, those will be coming out this upcoming week on the Twitter, so you can be watching our Twitter for that contest. We, we were talking about starting on Wednesday. I think we're going to start it tomorrow. Okie dokie. Just you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. So did he. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> So did I. So did he. Anyways. <laughs> oh, man, I'm a mess. All right, so moving on. Semi-finals round. Right. So. At like 3 in the morning, semi-finals oh started on the East Coast. <laughs> they, started, they started at 10 p.m. on the East Coast. Oh, and, and some of us had to work early on Sundays because we worked for churches. So... I was watching them Sunday morning. Right. I and actually, what's funny is, I fell asleep in the Spark Valiant game. Oh. I was that tired, but I stayed up through both matches. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to start, <laughs> I want to start with Shock versus Valiant, because I feel like this was the least interesting of the two games. Yeah, I, uh, to be honest, uh, map three, I said, uh, you know, this is kind of a wash and just started playing Final Fantasy XIV. I was a bit... That's I exactly... I had it on in the background and it never sounded like I needed to alt-tap. Literally exactly <laughs> what I was doing. Sunday morning, I turned that game on when we got home and I was like, yep, Shakara... That was that, so that was fun. Shock, <laughs> shock, handedly take apart. It wasn't the Valiant. even close. Um, there were a couple maps where Valiant did okay on some parts. On of some the map. parts of the map, either defense or attack. Right, and then Shock would just come out on their side and just do a better job of it by in a way. Yeah. And the Valiant really didn't feel like they stood a chance, which was kind of odd because it it really seemed like the Valiant should have stood a chance. Yeah. I mean, he just beat the Hangzhou Spark, who might have been the better anti-Sombra Goats team. Right. But the Acosta said they did not know what to do about Rascal's Baptiste. That stumped them. Yeah. Um, I think it could have also been just... Sorry, Valiant fans, just to throw a little shade. I do think this team lacks a little bit of individual skill. I think Shaxx is a great player, but a new Sombra player still. Right. Um, I don't think his mechanics are as high as his ceiling is right now. Sure. Um, on that hero, Agilities I think is a good Farah, but has never been Apex. Always just kind of in middle of the road. Um, they've always just kind of made up for their lack of strength in the DPS role with strong support play and strong tank play, like we've seen from Kareev throughout this stage, right? A mm -hmm. lot of their victories have been Kareev clutching. Kareev still played well, was maybe not as, oh my goodness, this dude is king of all Anas. Yeah, like really level that he like that, that he was in a lot of the other matches where they were able to pull off um, these big wins and. Just also against the San Francisco Shock, he has less room to shine individually. He's good at shutting down DPS players. They're running their 3-3 style at you. Ana's a little bit toned down um, in that way. He couldn't really seem to find that 
sort of prowess, and yeah, they just kind of they kind of fell apart when you couldn't have the Kareev carry. Yeah. Much closer semifinals match, Shanghai oh, versus the Titans. This was an awesome match. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We were getting, I was getting hyped up listening and watching this game. Yeah. And and I, in retrospect, I'm thinking back on it. Shanghai kind of took the Titans apart. They really did. I mean. I mean, it was hype. And it was exciting, and yes. it made us feel like it was close just because of how exciting it was. Right. But it really wasn't close. I, I think Titans did make some good adaptations, but you could tell from the start that the Titans weren't able to play their game. And right. it was definitely the tempo was always with the Shanghai Dragons. It definitely felt like that. Um, I would say, yeah, I, you could kind of look at that for a lot of the stage playoffs in general where Shanghai played. A lot of the reasons why these games were exciting is because, A, it's the Shanghai Dragons. This is a team that kind of has this grand mystique amongst Overwatch League fans, even despite retooling. And being a totally I, new team. Like, yeah, like, Gaguri doesn't even come out anymore. Like, I was like, oh, I, like, literally forgotten Dia existed until he walked out on stage <laughs> um, after they won the championship. So it was like, okay, this is really exciting. Look at Shanghai Go. But this wasn't, like, shock versus Titans, blow for blow kind of. No. Um, Titans had their moments. They, they had the DPS matchup at first. And... Although there were like some exciting like, oh my gosh, they died and oh my gosh, they died. This person's popping off. This person's right. popping off. It definitely felt like Dings Farah was in control. Yeah. Dings Farah was in control from start to finish. Yep. Raining down rockets, putting in mm -hmm. the damage. Ding has this ability to get in close on the Farah, hit somebody in the face with a couple rockets and kill them. Yeah. And then get the heck out of yeah, there without dying. Twilight was just must have been having the worst game of his life. Like, I would have been mega depressed up oh my on that gosh. stage. Because he wasn't allowed to play. He wasn't. <laughs> it was terrible. Every time he showed his face, Ding was like, that's a rocket for you, sir. Thanks thanks for coming to the Ding show. Um, <coughs> it was redonkulous. But Titans, unlike New York, um, did make some good adaptations. So they actually ran a very New York-styled comp, which they do like to run on control. They might sub in Janu um, right. over <coughs> Solminsu. Solminsu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they run like a Sombra Diva. They run Zarialis comps. Um, so they came out with that look. Didn't look it looked all right, but still definitely Shanghai were looking like the better team. Yeah, and they, Titans did manage to take a map off of them. Then they subbed him out, brought in Solomon Sue. They tried to play their Sombra Goat style. Mm -hmm. Still didn't look too hot. And then they made this adaptation. When they got rolled on Numbani, and like Numbani's, that's their home. Right. <laughs> they were like, all right, this isn't working. And they roll out with a, um, a quad tank. The yeah. good old Slambulance. Stage one <laughs> inaugural season rears its, I don't know what adjective to use for its head, but it's <laughs> back, right? And they actually look really good. And you could tell Shanghai hasn't prepared against this and wasn't prepared to suddenly experience against the Vancouver Titans. So kudos for you guys, especially considering you guys did that on your own as the players in the middle of the map. Yep. That kind of shows the pedigree and of that this team has. Like, and the planning and yeah. the thought process that's coming from them in their meetings together with their right? coaching staff. 
You could tell the players must be a lot more involved in what goes on in the Vancouver Titans compared to some other teams, right? Right. So they come out, and that, that looks great. Like, Stitch's Roadhog is a menace. Ding is just, like, being pulled out of the sky left and right. They all don't know what to do, and they, they roll through even faster through the map and end up ultimately winning it all. And so that looks yeah. good, but Shanghai adapts. And Not even really having to change their play style too much. I think they just maybe played less Widowmaker. They matched the Hog, played less Widowmaker, and switched to more Sombra. Mm -hmm. And that was that. And that was that. <laughs> and then, so, so they, just, they just took them apart. Um, and and this is, at this point, everyone's talking about, is Shanghai the best team in the league right now? Yeah. That's the question that starts coming. That's the question that gets asked after finals mm -hmm. when they ultimately win. And then the answer is definitely no. It's the Guangzhou Charge. We thrashed them <laughs> four days ago. You just don't even know. <laughs> you just don't even know right now. Um, yeah, so that was a crazy game. Lots of hype, but, but really not close. Yeah. Really not close. And speaking of not close, the finals rolled around. The their finals head. rolled around. Man, man, listen. Shanghai comes up 3-0. Takes yeah. the first three maps by storm. You're looking like this is going to be the least close stage playoff we've ever seen. I think the first sweep in the stage playoffs, and the only other one would have been London in day two of the grand finals. Right, and then and then, I, and then I post a tweet, and I'm sorry. I think I may have cursed them. Because <laughs> then I tweet, you know, this is just going too fast. Shanghai, could you just lose one map? I just want this to last one more map. And then Shanghai said, I could do you two better. I could do you, I could do you, I could do better, man. So So Shanghai yeah. get taken on map four, which is in uh, mm -hmm. Rialto, not Rialto, Havana. Yes. Shanghai get beaten on Havana. They can't close out the map, but most people can't. So we're not really sure that they're gonna lose. And then here come the shock, finally inching out the edge of the end of Havana. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in the reverse order, right? Shock attacked first, they got to the bridge, and then dragons attacked, and they didn't... Is that the I, order I don't, it went? I don't think they got past point A. I think that's how it went down. That's how I remember it. I can remember it wrong. I don't remember. <laughs> Shanghai lose Savannah. We finally start to see the shock, like, really show up. Yeah. There's been a couple moments up to this point where you're like, oh, look, the shock are playing Overwatch. Yeah. But until this point, it hasn't done anything. It hasn't been enough to yield any results. And... I kind of want to talk about the evolution of the shock through this series. Do it. Because we, we do see a lot of change up. You don't see too much from the Shanghai Dragons. Um, the big change ups you start to see is um, Yongjin switching just between Roadhog and Doomfist, depending mm -hmm. on the map. Um, I think, and just a note about the Shanghai Dragons, for someone who I didn't think got enough credit, was probably Yongjin in this match. Because um, credit to Shock, they did manage to control DM. DM was still doing a lot, but he did not feel as dominant, as oppressive, and Ding. With Rascals yeah, Batiste. They, they, they did not feel as impactful as they normally do. Mm -hmm. However, Yongjin was popping the heck off. Like, his Doomfist was a menace on Numbani. His Roadhog was getting some sick hooks. Yeah. Like he was looking really good, and one of the major reasons why, like, okay, you managed to control these two big threats, now it's my turn to take the take the stage, and he stepped up hard. I mean, and it really shows the it really shows the Shanghai playstyle, right? Because yeah. their goal is to put so much pressure on you between right. Ding and Diem that yeah. you have to devote resources to them, which leaves you vulnerable. Yeah. And these guys devoted yep. the resources to them. Mm -hmm. They really did it in a smart way. The Shock really were 
doing a good job devoting resources to them without leaving themselves super vulnerable. Right. But Young Jin said, I see your vulnerabilities. I see how to take them as yeah. this Doomfist and as this hog to yoink you out of there mm -hmm. and to punch you through wherever you want to be. Yeah. And he really capitalized on that, and that's really yeah. how the Shanghai works. Especially for um, when they run their widow Farah. They set up these crossfires where these two guys do not miss. So if you poke your head out, you're either eating a bullet to the skull or a rocket to the face. Yeah. One of the two. So it forces you into these small little corridors, and then Doomfist is just like, one punch is all I need. And <laughs> goes right in there. And they're just like, you can't avoid it because you're all just in this little group. He's going to hit somebody. I mean, there was a point at Numbani, <laughs> Young Jin jumps up with Doomfist at the that little upstairs room between point B and C. Yeah. There's three people in there. He jumps in there by himself. Yep. And then Gamsu comes rolling through right after that. So yeah. it was at least a little bit coordinated. Mm -hmm. He wasn't toast. He jumped in there by himself, no fear. Yeah. Took out the took out the Zen and then hit someone else on his way out. Yep. And then Gamsu's just in there rolling around, being yeah. like, "Hello, I'm and a wrecking ball." Gamsu does so much disruption, which is one of the keys to this team. Because if you think about how how Shanghai plays is that that triple dps ball comp right mm -hmm. um this is a comp that's existed it was it was very strong at the start of stage three and then you saw it fall out of the meta more so and people just started to run somber goats more triple dps less um and the teams that ran triple dps more like the houston outlaws started to do worse as the stage went on and one of the big reasons is teams started to adapt they realize if you're playing more of a goat style like shanghai likes um, you could just grab the Wrecking Ball alone, and if you just get that kill, you usually just win the fight, right? Because there's nothing to push you out of position Or you could anymore. grab the Doomfist if they're running a Doomfist. Like, you take out one of these pieces of the comp, it's dead, it kind of falls apart, especially considering you're 3-3, you are kings of the point. Right. You lose one piece of pressure, comp kind of falls apart. And even if they do okay, like, they still can't touch the point. Um, right. So, Shock was doing that. But huge credit to Coma. I, I'm like screaming at the TV the whole like the whole game. He can't keep getting away with it because oh. he just got res after res after res. So solo grabs don't mean squat. If Mercy's just gonna come in and res the person after you kill them, it was beautiful, honestly. <laughs> so literally, you would spend all this time building up one of the most impactful ultimates in the game, to and kill it's a one lot person. harder to get it because you're not like doing goats where you're just right clicking and hitting six people with a right click. It takes a lot longer. Like Sinatra has less charge, less time to ult compared to what he did in the ult in the uh, goats meta. So instead of minute grabs, he's generally doing like closer to two minute grabs. Gets yeah. this grab, uses it, thirty second resurrect, just undoes everything he just built up. Yep. So I think that was one of the big struggles for the Shocks, because that was their game plan. We're just going to do the whole grab thing, and Koma shut that down hard with his reses. Really and kudos did. to his team for always, like, Gamsu rolling in and disrupting and, like, always making the spacing needed to be able to get the reses, depending on who was killed. Because they were just, anytime someone died, they were, always, they were always back up. They never seemed to be able to punish it. Right. So the shock keeps adapting. The shock takes their yeah. first win on Havana. And and the shock adapted a lot because I touched on the Baptiste. They also ran a totally DPS roster on the first point of control. So they were they were throwing things at this team. They did. Their and DPS they, roster on the first point of control really didn't look good. They they couldn't. Architect didn't seem to be able to match Ding's 
Farah. And definitely, she, like, each person had moments. And, like, Architect started to wake up right. as the series went on. Uh, I think Striker's Hanzo looked really good. But there wasn't enough. It wasn't. <laughs> and the, you could tell, you really, what you could tell the most about this DPS comp that they threw at the beginning was that they just hadn't practiced. Yeah. I mean, Shanghai Dragons have been running this for three stages. And you take people off the bench and think you can match the people who look like the best on their individual roles, especially the Widow and the Farah. Unless you have the 12-man roster just, and you've been constantly practicing all of them, yeah. there's no way you're going to be able I mean, to I mean, and Strikers up. never looked like a world-class Widowmaker. No, just a, just just a world-class a, Tracer. Yeah, and that's... He, I mean, he tried to roll out with it on for, on the very like at the very start, and then yeah. realized that wasn't gonna work. And so now you just have Striker on constant mismatches with DM for the rest of the map. Right. So I mean, they did all right. It was exciting, but Dragons Dragons had some insane clutches to win that series. Like I felt like it could have been a lot closer than it was, but Shanghai won fights that shouldn't have been humanly possible. <laughs> they should not have been. It was very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Long fights. Yeah. Long, way longer than they should have been, considering the DPS players that were in there. You know, like mm -hmm. goats fights. I understand they take a while, but these yeah. were, these were, high class damage dealers, yeah. and they just and sometimes it'd be like two v fives, and they would just pull it back. Shanghai fighting. They're crazy. It was nuts. But all right, they win Havana. <laughs> Okay. Now I want to talk about the next adaptation, because... Because this is super huge. This is, this is big, and this changes the entire tone. So Shanghai was trying to figure out things he could throw at... Um, or, excuse me, San Francisco Shock was trying to figure out what they could throw at the Shanghai Dragons. They tried matching them on DPS with their DPS squad. Sure. Didn't work. Mm -mm. So they tried to throw their growth squad at them. Didn't work. Now they make the adaptation that they are going to match them with their GOAT squad. Finally something clicks. And they do it a bit differently too. They don't try to match the triple DPS. They match Orisa Roadhog. Yes. And then Sombra Farah. It's the Orisa Roadhog that really seals the deal too. Yes. Because their Roadhog on Oasis, and I can't remember, was it? Um, Choi Hyobin. Choi Hyobin's playing the hog. Un real hooks yes. on Oasis. Choyobin single-handedly wins them that Oasis map as far as I'm concerned. Choy Hooking Farah's from the yeah. maximum possible range directly Ridiculous. over his head, bringing him into the into this death pit and yeah. destroying them. It was insanity. He was so good. And you could definitely feel like he was the better Roadhog in that matchup. Oh, I yeah. think these both had very different styles. Um, Choyobin and... I mean, it makes sense. This is a San Francisco Shock playing a goat who has a goats team. They had a lot more coordination. Right. Their hot hooks were almost always on point. Where Yongjin is usually more of a free roamer. He's either protecting his backline with hooks, or a lot of the times, especially on that Oasis map, he was playing flanks, trying to hook hook people right. from surprise angles. Where Choi Hyobin was always with his Orisa, trying to get some good hooks, and would go for the far if it happened to come over his head, like Ding tried to get right. really close and like shoot behind the shield, then he would hook them in. But otherwise, it was halt-hook combos, and it, it looked freaking fantastic. It was. Um, so that seemed like that Yongjin versus Choi Hobin. Choi Hobin's looking like he has the best. And it really felt like for the next, for, for Oasis, and then... The next two maps. The next map right after that, because it was just... Because they'd already won Havana, they win Oasis, and then they win one more map. And it feels like Oasis and the next map were both really all on the back of Choyobin's Roadhog. Which yes. the next map was what was their um, 
So they went. They won Havana. So that would have been. Then they won Oasis, and then they I, went to. Not Eichenwald. Yes, Eichenwald. They went to Eichenwald, and I really feel like that was still on the back of Choi Hyobin's hooks. Yes, he was getting the right hooks at the right times mm -hmm. and making the right picks, and it it unlocked the plays mm -hmm. for the shock. And one of the big things too about this mirror matchup is there's two other things. Is um, they were always at this point. It was just mirror matched. So there was always Sombra Farah versus Sombra Farah as far as the DPS matchup goes. Yes. Um, and I think Ding had the edge on Rascal in the Farah matchup, mm -hmm. but Rascal did well enough that he distracted Ding the majority of the match. So normally, Ding's just pummeling the crap out of your team. Ding was having to shoot Rascal in the sky for probably 60 to 70% of the time that he was playing. Those Farah duels so were real. basically, the Farah and the Mercy were totally eliminated. Now you got a 4v4 on point. Arisa matchups... Shock wins. What, what doesn't really... I don't think there's too much impact unless your gesture that an individual Arisa really has in the Overwatch League. You just kind of put your shield down. But they had good halt-hook combos. So right. you're at least winning that duel. The Roadhog duel definitely seems to be going towards a shock. And Sinatra's a better Sombra than DM. Put all those things together, they're winning that 4v4 on the point. So yeah. even if Ding manages to kill Rascal finally in the sky, usually his, own, his, his whole team's usually already dead. Um, so that's when you really start to see Shock turn it around. Um, and it, it's basically the same story on every map from there. It's like they're doing this matchup, and the Shock are consistently winning it. And there's one big thing, one trick up Shanghai's sleeve left. And I make a tweet about it. I'm like, Shanghai, it's 3-3 now. So at this point, not like the cup. But the score is 3-3 right. three, three, um, in the series. And so whoever wins this last map is going to win. And the choices are either going to be Dorado or um, Gibraltar. Or Gibraltar. They end up choosing Dorado. But both of these points are great Widow maps. And the one thing that the, that, um, the San Francisco Shock cannot match is that Widowmaker matchup. Because, I mean, their Widow player is... Either striker or architect, they both play Widow, but none of them are on the caliber of DM. No, DM, DM is on a, in a league of his own. Yeah, for sure. And even like compared to other teams who have great um, Widowmakers, I don't think the Widowmakers of the San Francisco Shock have ever been their strong point. They don't have that like god tier. Right. They they have good ones who can beat up like the lower half of the league, but they're probably mid table. Um, I would say striker and architect as far as their and widow. And that's play exactly goes. what they and did. And that's that's ended up what they doing. They just bet on the DM widow, and, and it works. It works so good. So instead of a lot of times widows set up crossfires, DM did not. They played a very smart strategy where DM was almost always just behind the Arisa shield, right next to his Roadhog. So you know San Francisco Shock can't match you on the Widowmaker, right? right? So you don't have to worry about the Widowmaker 1v1. You need to worry about flanking Sombras and dive from Choi Hyobin and Super on Winston and Diva. Right. Right? Those are the two things you need to worry about. Just If he's standing next to Yongjin and, Ga and Gamsu's there as well, if you try to get in as a um, Winston or a Diva, you're Winston going or a down. Diva, you're going to get halted mid jump, so you're not going to land where you want, and then you're going to get hooked and killed. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Yeah, they defended their Widowmaker, yep. and DM popped the heck off and destroyed yeah. them. Mm -hmm. it, w it wasn't even close. It wasn't. 
And I, and I just want to say this because this is this is really where the Shanghai Shanghai wins that because yes. of DM the Widowmaker and it's beautiful and congratulations to Shanghai. I just want to say this about the desk. The analyst desk looked at them and said, "Go anywhere but Gibraltar because Shock have been undefeated on Gibraltar all season long." And honestly, that I I just I, obviously Shanghai wins, so it doesn't matter. Right. This doesn't matter anymore. But mm -hmm. I just gotta I gotta say this because it's stuck in my head. And, and I have a place to say it, so this is it. <laughs> Shoot your shot. They had to bet that last map on DM's Widowmaker, and Gibraltar is one of the best Widowmaker maps yeah. that there ever has been. Yep. Why the heck not? Plus, talk about the mental, what are they doing to us that the shock would be feeling mm -hmm. when the team that they're about to beat yeah. takes them to their best map. What the heck is fixing to happen mm -hmm. to us? Like... Mind games galore, betting on your Widowmaker, which they yeah. just can't match. Like, there could have been so many ways. It would have been really fun. It um, would have been a lot of fun. I respect the Dorado pick because it suits Orissa play better. Yes. And I think you wanted the Orissa Roadhog over having to play triple DPS ball because that's what you would have run out with on Gibraltar, I think. Right. You would have had the Youngjin Doomfist and the Gamsu ball. Yeah. Um, and there's, it's a lot easier to kind of spread out and give the Doomfist less opportunities with the gratuitous high ground that you have. Um, right. And that really would have been hard betting on, on DM. And I think it really could have worked. I don't think it was as bad of a choice as the decimated scene. I definitely agree there. Like, yeah. even though it's 7-0, and the, guys, the shock has barely lost to anybody. Going up against the shock on any map is usually not going to be a good time for you. You can't really look at their record and be like, like, imagine going against the Vancouver Titans. Like, I would be on the desk and be like, well, um, I recommend just not showing up to the game because the Vancouver Titans have never lost. <laughs> right? Like, no, it doesn't work that <laughs> but way. But you're going to have to play. Like, even if it's an undefeated match, like, yeah, you're going against a team that really doesn't lose <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, those, who knows where those Gibraltar matches took place, right? That could have been just happened because of schedule. That could have just been where they always played like teams like the Justice and right. um, like the the lower the lower bracket teams at those times. So you don't you don't really have that insight of who they played on those seven maps. Right. Um, that makes the a difference. Off the top of your head, those sorts of things they can miss it. So I don't think it would have been awful, but I think Dorado was the better choice overall. It's kind of what I expected, and both definitely both well. All right, real quick, moving on. Um, that's all of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, as far as standings are concerned, we're, there's no more stage playoffs. There's no stage four playoffs. So the only thing nope. we're going to be worried about anymore as far as standings play in the future are the play-ins. And the playoffs. And right now, all except for two teams have an actual shot at getting into the top 12. Hey, Larimore. Yes, Who are the Howard? two teams? They are the Washington Justice and the Florida Mayhem. The what? And the, the who? The Florida Mayhem. Ooh. We're out. We're out, boys. But... Wait. We in season three before everybody else. Look at all you fools playing in all the 2019 season. Look at us. We're coming. We in 2020, baby. Oh, my gosh. All right. We in the future. All right. So us Florida people are really just sort of going to have to, you know, go find your secondary team, defectors to Atlanta. We'll talk about Atlanta. We'll have a good time. Hi. I'm a Toronto Defiant fan, I think, even though this is going to be... Their 18th place, I just, think. So just as heartbreaking, they probably. They barely have a chance But I'm right here. Now. I'm, I'm, I'm here for the new losingest team. 
Um, there's a special there's a special Watchpoint episode coming on this Thursday. Yes. Which you will not hear about from us on Monday. Mm, no, you will not. No, you will not. Because on Monday, we will be airing a special interview with Dr. Chris Doc Heskell. I think I'm saying that right. I may not be. He may, you know, send me a Twitter message saying, bro, you, you botched my name. We've only interviews typed off. to each other. We haven't talked. Right. So. Interviews <laughs> off. Um, uh, this is the head of the eSports group at Boise State University. Yes. And we're going to get a chance to interview with him. We'll be recording that episode on Wednesday. It'll be our Monday aired episode. Mm -hmm. so. so that should definitely be it. Really interesting. He has a lot of insights. And lots of experience. Yes, in the collegiate scene. So if you want to kind of find out some more of how does this whole college scene work? Because I think a lot of people understand Overwatch League a, a bit. Maybe have a loose understanding of con contenders. But where does the, the collegiate scene Where does really this fit, fit in? We're really going to you know dig into this, obviously learn about his experience. And he has like... Uh, they they very very successful coach in yeah, esports and not just e Overwatch. Yeah, very right. impressive. And all, I believe you know he sent us some of his records. And I, I'm, if I remember right, every single game that they participate in, they have an overall winning record. Yeah. Yeah. So they're doing they're doing good stuff up so, there. So it'll be a lot of fun to interview him. So be sure you tune in for you're that. You're gonna learn something. Um, remember to watch our Twitter tomorrow. We will be dropping the next giveaway. Right, the the bag, the Atlanta Rain bag with the cards in it. You guys want the cards? It'll be yours. Here, I've got the bag right here. All right, those cards will be yours, or not. They'll be somebody's. All right. So, thank you so much. That's all the time we have. We've we've gone over a little bit. So thanks for tuning in. Um, thank you to Popped Off for all their support for the show and their help. Remember that we're available on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and basically every major podcasting platform. Be sure you follow us on socials. We are at Cowl Fans, all of our socials, especially our Twitter if you're interested in some Atlanta rain swag. And, you know, our Instagram is where you can find our behind-the-scenes pictures and stuff. And apparently pictures of my cat. I posted a picture of my cat yesterday. So enjoy wow. that. Yeah. Really, really, really leaning into the Instagram. Now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So thanks for all that. I'm Alura Moore. I'm Haller. And you have been tuned into Cowl Fans. See you in stage four.